And so this week on uh, West Steps, we hear from advocates who are telling their stories of um, complications in pregnancy and post-pregnancy. Can you tell us about what um, the bill um, does from our last conversation and what happened today at the state capitol? Yeah, basically, I'd be happy to. Um, so we have talked about this bill before. We gave a longer sort of explanation in a past episode of the West Steps that I'm sure folks can find <laughs> if they want to dig in. Um, but so this is an effort to really strengthen our maternal mortality review committee. Um, it's something that folks in Colorado have been working on for a couple of years, but we have not been successful in getting this committee into statute. Um, we do have a group of dedicated volunteers who review what happens in maternal deaths. And just sort of to remind folks, a maternal death is a death that occurs during pregnancy or up to one year postpartum, regardless of cause. So we have a committee that digs into all of those deaths and tries to figure out what happened you know, prenatally in clinics, in the hospital, during a delivery, what happened in the postpartum period. Um, and uh, But that committee has some, a couple of really significant limitations because it's non-statute. And the first one is that they don't have subpoena protection. So somebody could be subpoenaed um, in an individual litigation case just by virtue of sitting on that committee. Um, and so that's one big limitation. And that means that the health department doesn't review deaths until they're at least three years old. And most of those cases have been settled. Um, the other big limitation is that the folks who can volunteer their time for free to travel to and serve on a committee tend to be professionals who are folks that are, live in the Denver metro area. And so that creates a limitation because the folks who are most impacted by maternal death in Colorado or people in rural areas, they're more likely to die than those in urban areas. Um, and the African American community is more likely to be impacted by these deaths. And we know from national research that black women are more likely to die even when education and income are held constant. So this legislation um, establishes this committee in statute. It says um, that they'll have subpoena protection so that they can review cases in a more timely way. Um, and it, it provides resources so that folks can travel in from rural areas and participate on the committee and that it can be a truly um, representative community that includes community committee that includes community voices. Um, and uh, it's actually like one of the first committees we've we've created that's really trying to be accessible. So it covers travel food and lodging for folks who have to travel in from rural areas, but it also covers child care or attendant care if someone has a disability and they need help participating in the committee. So it's really meant for anyone to be able to participate and to be a diverse committee that can take a holistic view of these deaths. Um, the bill also provides resources to CDPHE to then distill all the recommendations. CDPHE is our public health department, the Colorado Public Health Department. Um, it provides resources to them. Uh, to review what comes out of this committee and then provide regular reports to our state legislature to say this is what's happening um, in a timely way because we'll have that timely data and then um, to uh, say that these are the steps that we need to take in, in practices and in policy in our communities to prevent these deaths from happening. And today you, the, this bill had its first hearing. That's right. Today, this morning, the bill was up in the House, which is where the bill started. Um, so it was up in the public health um, 
Public Health uh, <laughs> Public Health Insurance and Human Services Committee, I think is the full name. Um, great committee of folks, lots of healthcare folks who are healthcare experts, including a pediatrician and an emergency room nurse serve on that committee. Um, so this was its first hearing. So it was up today. Um, and we had just a really compelling set of um, witnesses who testified um, on this bill. So um, we heard from a number of sort of um, policy experts. So um, I started the the panel by just sort of talking about what the bill does and why it's needed. Um, someone from the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment talked about how the committee works now and how this bill will strengthen what they do. A certified nurse midwife talked about how important it is to have a, a midwife perspective of these deaths. Um, an advocate from from Calore talked about how important it is to have a perspective from communities of color around these issues because they are disproportionately impacted. And then we had three powerful, amazing women who shared their own stories around the, this issue. We had an advocate from the March of Dimes who talked about her own personal experience. Um, and then we had a woman who experienced severe pregnancy complications, um, the kind that often do result in death. And she lived through those complications and um, is alive now with her with her twin babies, um, who are almost two. But um, during that process, she, um, she was in the hospital for almost a month. She didn't get to go home with her baby. She didn't get to breastfeed her babies. Um, so we heard her testimony. Um, and then we heard from a woman who lost her daughter when her daughter was in childbirth, um, lost her daughter and her daughter's son. So it would have been her first grandson. Um, and these women were just so strong and sharing their stories and really wanting to make sure that we have a strong review committee in Colorado that's reviewing these deaths and making sure that nothing like this happens again so it can strengthen the system to prevent these deaths but also to prevent these near deaths like the one that we heard about from Amanda. And for the rest of this episode we will hear from those two advocates about their story and what their experience was like on the hill. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The West Steps. We have a special guest for you this week, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. My name's Adele Marshall, and um, I'm here to talk about what happened to my daughter, Taryn Elkins, two years ago when uh, she lost her life um, in childbirth. And I'm Amanda Curtis, and um, I survived multiple um, life-threatening complications during my delivery of twins. Okay. Do you want to um, tell us a little bit about your daughter and what happened? And you were testifying today. And yes, what that was I did, like. and that was the first time I've ever done anything like this. And I think that one of the reasons I felt so compelled to do it is because of what my family's been through over the last two years at the loss of our girl and um, there just needs to be some change and and this was a, a wonderful opportunity to be a part of something that would help that happen and I think that giving meaning to our loss and how we felt is something that is a privilege and I I'm grateful that I was able to do that. It was, it was, um, I was nervous about doing it, but, but I think that 
everything worked out the way that it was supposed to. And, um, and I could really feel Taryn with me through the whole thing, you know, and I, and I think, I think she was proud, <laughs> you know, that, that I was able to, to do that and to pass on this message and how important it is to, um, to change what needs to be changed so that it's safer for women to have babies and so that we don't lose any more girls in uh, childbirth. Thank you for sharing that story. Sure. And, and it's um, it's a heartbreaking reality for lots of families and lots of ma- moms. And you, you experienced that yourself, right? I'm a survivor of multiple complications, yeah, and it... Um, just a bunch of life-threatening complications kind of cascading out of control with my delivery and um, I was a a, my pregnancy had no um, complications to it in the beginning I was perfectly healthy going into my pregnancy um, really no no concerns at all and then um, ended up getting edema you know severe swelling um, kind of halfway through and um, then when I had gone in for my final checkup uh, I had preeclampsia and um, it just ended up getting um, pretty bad and I, I was uh, had to deliver my twins that night um, just going for the c-section that I was supposed to go into the next day one day early um, because the preeclampsia was so severe um, and then it just kind of cascaded into a bunch of different um, health complications. And um, so really I was here today, um, you know, with the same goal of trying to implement these changes um, and support the House Bill 1122 so that we can have these changes and make childbirth safer for women and make the whole prenatal system better. You know, the whole um, overarching system of care definitely needs to be improved and strengthened. And, and listeners would uh, remember this, the um, house bill that you're referring to, our own Erin Miller um, explained to us what that committee would do and what that would mean for um, the future of how we put together policies that protect moms and kids. Um, I, I wasn't able to listen to your testimony today. I was in the office. Can you give us an idea of what that was like? How many people were in the room? What experience that what that experience meant for you and for your story? It was a it was a pretty large room. Um, the original room we were supposed to be in was quite small, and they realized that there were a lot more people there to support this cause than than they thought and had to move us into a much larger room, which was like a big courtroom, actually. I bet you there was a good hundred people in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, an, it was amazing. Um, my daughter, Taryn Elkins, she actually died of uh, acute pulmonary distress syndrome as a result of seizures from undiagnosed preeclampsia. And her baby, Cayenne Trujillo, he was my first grandchild. He lived 90 minutes before he passed away from lack of oxygen. And uh, with proper diagnosis, early diagnosis and care, and uh, even emergency efforts to turn her on her side to prevent her from inhaling fluids when she seized, she could very well have been sitting with us today 
telling a story about how she survived like you did yes and um, she didn't she didn't have to have to die that day um, the baby there wasn't much hope for our little boy um, he had already been denied his oxygen and I tell you um, she was seven and a half months pregnant and I think that if she had had more frequent visits with her OB if she had been given more care you know throughout her pregnancy which was high risk anyway um, so many things could have been different Um, our whole lives would be different all of my family anyway it is remarkable that you took your pain and you are telling the story of your daughter and your grandson to make lives better for for other moms and for other grandmoms. Well, that's really the only choice you have mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. To make some make some sense of it. Yeah. So. And it was very apparent that everyone in the room got the point of both testimonies. I mean, they just there was not a dry eye in the room. I mean, everyone on the committee you know, was in tears. It was actually quite an amazing energy in there. There was a lot of love in there and a lot of support and a lot of um, understanding. It was a pretty amazing thing to be a part of. Well, like I told them at the very end of what I said, if if they what they do can save even one life, one, you know, it'll be worth every effort they make. And, um, and they unanimously voted for it, which I guess is unusual. Mm-hmm. Aaron said that doesn't happen very often. That does not happen very often, thanks to a so. full along party lines. And this is the power of telling telling stories and, and really sharing what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and not being afraid to tell the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's difficult and it's hard. But if it can help somebody, then it's your obligation, I think, to, to do that. Absolutely. Whenever you can. Yeah. And it's a privilege. Yeah. So you've never done this before. You've never went to the hill and testified. (laughs) It was quite intimidating (laughs) to walk in that room and and see all these legislators and, you know, know that what I was going to tell them was going to maybe make a a huge difference in, in someone else's life. It was amazing. Yeah, had a lot of gravity to it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And and that's what this is space is for, right? It's a, you know, people are supposed to go to the state capital and tell their story about what they think is important and and change the course of how we do things. Right. Yeah. Uh, how was it for you? Have you done this before? I've never done it before either and um just, you know, like I said the energy was really kind of unbelievable and um you know, I went into it thinking Surely it would get support because of knowing what I had gone through and knowing how it could have played out and knowing the impact that it would have had. It just is so far reaching that, um, you know, I have multiple instances of thinking about like how things would be different if I weren't here, you know, and it, it, it impacts everybody that's in the family. And so I'm so lucky that I am still here. And I'm, I'm just lucky that I got to share my story and testify and hopefully make a difference to, you know, up-and-coming moms that it's not going to be the statistics that it is now. And something's got to change because it's, 
it shouldn't be a scary thing to go into. I wasn't aware that it was a scary thing to go into, which uh, I don't know for better or worse, but um, I had no idea until after I experienced all these things. And then you start running into other people with similar stories and you start realizing that it's a really huge problem. So to be a part of the solution is really cathartic to heal from the trauma that I experienced through all these medical complications. And when you've lost someone, it's cathartic in that you are doing something. You're not just sitting there. You're, you're taking part of being a part of the solution. Yeah, you just, you just don't think that women die in childbirth anymore. That's just unheard of. That happened in the 1800s. And you're not prepared. You don't think that that could possibly happen to you. And when it does, it just derails you in a way that you can't process for a very, very long time. And uh, you want answers. You want to know why. You want to know how this could possibly happen in 2017, you know, when when she died. Um, How do we stop this from ever happening to anyone else? And you get that feeling in life no matter what you experience. If you experience something negative, you think, okay, how do I stop this from happening to somebody else? Because whether it's an injustice that you've suffered or or anything that you go through in your life, but especially this type of loss, because like I said, when I was talking to to the committee, our lives will never be what we wanted. We will never have her. And and that little baby, you know, every year on his birthday, what would he be doing? Um, he would be talking now and walking, and he'd be two years old, and, you know, all these beautiful things that Kayan would be experiencing and sharing with us. And it, it's just this huge, this Grand Canyon hole in your heart. And, you know, I just, I, I know what it feels like, and I don't want any mom out there to ever feel this with regards to their their grandbaby or their daughter so i think for a lot of people that are listening or even some uh, families who've experienced this there is still this idea that if this happens to you this is a unique case this isn't the norm or this isn't a big problem um how did you guys decide to hold what you've experienced and say, you know what, I'm just not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to go out and tell my story and find other people who um, have experienced this. How did you decide? What was that like for you? Well, awareness creates change. Mm -hmm. And this needs to change. What's happening is not right. And uh, women need to feel safe when they're having a baby in our country that everything and every effort is being made to protect them, you know, right down to the basic level of how many times they see their doctor, how many the the procedures that are in place, you know, that that doctors are going to listen to them when they say something's not right because you had that happen to you. Yeah, I had the experience of something not feeling right, and how do you you even convey that, you know? And, and yeah, women definitely need to be heard. They told you to go home. They they said I could go home when my blood pressure was high. They said I could go home or go to the hospital to continue to be monitored. And, um, you know, we look to medical professionals to guide us that they know best, that they will help us through and protect us. And um, 
I felt very misguided, and um, I, I think a lot of women who have experienced this kind of a situation do too, and so that has to get changed, and honestly, for me, coming to share my information and to come forward, it didn't feel like a choice. It didn't, it doesn't feel like something that should I, shouldn't I. It just feels like um, that I'm compelled to do it. I have to do it. It's, it's, it's almost natural that it, what else would I do? I can't just sit here and do nothing. I can't be a bystander and I can't say, well, I'm glad I didn't die and move on with my life. I can't, I just can't do that. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. If it's happening in my life, it's happening in someone yes. else's, and it's it can't happen anymore. Well, I am incredibly grateful for um, all you've done today and you continue to do in telling your story. Um, one last thing that um, I hope you share with listeners is what advice you have for um people who want to tell their story and do the, the, you know, the very scary thing and going up the hill and telling legislators your story, what advice you have for them that now that you've done it. Um, and I am just very grateful for your time today. So if you have one few last words about what others can learn from your experience, that'll be great. Well, I think it's important that you not be afraid to tell what happened to you. I think a lot of people, like you were saying, sit back and say, oh, who dodged a bullet, dodged a cannonball. But, you know, you you got to know that if, you, if you're courageous enough <clears throat> to go out and tell your story and, and say, yes, this happened to me, what are we going to do about it? Then that's really the only way that anything is ever going to improve. Anything is ever going to get better than it was. And, and that's what needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I started by emailing state representatives, state senators, um, found different resources through different um, organizations. Preeclampsia Foundation is a good resource. Um, there's a Placenta Accreta Foundation. There is... Um, you know, you can email Erin. I'm sure you have her yeah. email if you want to share. But there's also support there's groups. Support groups that are have great resources. great resources. Yep, yep. But I think you're right. You have to speak the truth, not be afraid to tell the truth of what happened to you. Get your information out there because that is the only way things are going to change. If you keep it to yourself, then the prevalence of this problem is going to stay a secret. And it, it cannot be that way in order to institute change. Well, thank you so much for both of you for making time for us and telling your incredibly moving stories today, but not just here, but at the state capitol for, to make every kid's lives and mom's lives better. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.